Welcome to the RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. As you prepare your heart to receive today's word, we pray that you are encouraged, inspired, and uplifted. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that, that he is for you? He is with you? Even when you don't want him to be, which is a weird situation to be in, he's still there. When everything and everybody else has forsaken you, he is still with you. Can you give God a hand clap of praise for that? Amen. Well, you may be seated in the presence of the Almighty God. I am so excited to be with you this morning and uh, extremely nervous, as I always am, but today is just different. I don't know why just yet, but I do know that God has a word specifically tailor-made for you. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are in the building. Put your hands together for them one more time. Hallelujah. The unsung heroes. We're going to get right into the word. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 38 through 40. And we'll be reading uh, the New Living Translation. I'll probably hang my hat in that translation uh, through the duration uh, of this message. And it reads, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on and strapped it over the sword, strapped his sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into the shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. He only had five, food, five smooth stones, a shepherd's bag, a staff, and a sling to go fight something much bigger, much stronger, and possibly more experienced than himself. For a moment, we want to tag this text with the title, I am enough. I am enough. And more than a title, it's really an announcement. It's really an announcement to tell not the world, not your friend, not your family. It's an announcement to yourself that I am enough. In chapter 16, well, before that, let's pray. Father eternal God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for what you have deposited. Now, God, I ask that you would make a withdrawal with interest, that you would speak in this house like never before. Speak to every heart, every mind, every soul, every circumstance, every situation, every doubt. God, speak directly to it. Let them know that it is, for you. It is you that is speaking. We give you glory and honor, Father God, and we declare that we all will eat from your table today and be full. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. Amen. In chapter 16, Samuel has been instructed by God to go to a man's house by the name of Jesse that lives in Bethlehem. 
he tells him that there's someone there that I want you to anoint to be the next king of Israel. When Samuel arrives in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 4 through 7, it, this, how, this is how the story goes. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification writ for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Then they arrived and Samuel took a look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord, pay attention to verse 7, very important. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hmm. Seven of Jesse's sons stood before Samuel, and they all received the same response. This is not the one. What's for you is for you. Samuel asks Jesse in verse 11, he says, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, said Samuel. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. Something just can't get started until you show up. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and had beautiful eyes. I'm describing myself, I think. Uh, uh, had beautiful eyes. Don't look too close. Uh, had beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers after they had been passed by. And Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had bought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Ramah. The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord was upon David for the rest of his entire life from that day forward. Now, before we go a bit further, I want to explain. I don't want to take it for granted that you already understand what the anointing is. So I'm going to explain to you or teach you rather what is the anointing, because this is very important to our story and to our text. The, anoint, the origin of the anointing comes from the practice of shepherds. Lice and other insects would often get into the wool of the sheep and then travel inside the ear and then the sheep would die. So what the shepherds would do, they would take a bottle of oil and they would pour it on the head of the sheep. What this would do, it would make the head very oily and slippery so that when the insects were to get on the body or the wool of the sheep, they would, would not be able to attach themselves to the, to the sheep and they would slide right off. 
Uh, I want to help you right here. There's some things in your life that was trying to stick to you, but it slid right off. Why? Because you are anointed. You, you have an anointing, and you are anointed of God. And the anointing from that point on was symbolic of blessing, protection, and empowerment. That's why you're still here. You, you should have been taken out by now. Some things should have already drove you outside of your mind. But the reality is that God has anointed you and what should have stuck couldn't stick because you had the anointing on your life. Somebody say, I'm anointed. Thank you. This word anointed is the Hebrew word masak. It means to smear. It also is the, it's also in its Hebrew form or in its Greek form, creo, meaning the exact same thing, to smear. It also means to consecrate for an office or for God's specific purpose. It is also symbolic of the power of God on, on one's life. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, is Paul says this, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. For he has anointed us, and who has also, watch this, put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I don't want you to miss it. He says in verse 22, is very important. He says, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts. In our what? In our, in our hearts. What does God look at? He looks at the what? He looks at the heart and he put his seal in the heart. He says, as a guarantee, this is a fixed fight. He says, he says, I have put an anointing on you. And the reality is this, no matter what you feel like, no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, what you did, didn't do, or who you did it with, you have an anointing. You have an anointing. And not only that, watch this, he says he's put his seal on you, which means that he has validated you, which means that he has now called you his own because the seal in biblical times meant ownership. He says, I own you. That means since I own you, there is nothing and no one who can come against you. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Why? Because not only is the anointing is on me, his seal is on me, and his spirit is in my heart. His spirit is in my heart. David, David is not chosen because he's perfect. David is not chosen because he's smart. David isn't even chosen because he's wise. David wasn't even chosen because he was good looking. David was chosen because he was, wasn't even chosen because he was gifted. Side note, a gift without God is only talent. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. Your gift without God is simply talent. It will only get you so far. But when you are partnering with God, I'm going to say it this way. God is, uh, begins to move in the impossible when you allow your gift to attach the presence of God. When gift meets anointing, you see God move. 
But when you just operate in gift, it's only going to get you to a certain point. If you want to see great things happen in your life, begin to partner with God. Stop trying to do things in your own strength. Stop trying to do things in your own intellect because you have a degree or because you're so smart or because so many people gave you pats on the back. No, when you invite God in, you can kill things that should have taken you out. He says, but all you have to do is partner with God. Once God has chosen you, his seal is on you and it signifies his validation and his ownership. Can I submit to you that there are some things in your life that the reason why they are so hard is because you've been chosen. Mm, I'm trying to help somebody right here because you thought it was it just happened to you you thought that it had no purpose you thought that it had no meaning but what god was doing is he was smearing the anointing on you that's why you are still alive today it was sent to take you out but instead it made you better you pray harder you pray more you listen more you're more obedient why because he had to allow it to come in to take you up to take you further in him watch this so that your heart can be purified You thought it was just because the enemy, somebody didn't like you. No, was never about that. It's because you are chosen. Not was chosen, you are chosen. Somebody say, I'm chosen. God has chosen you in spite of your doubts, in spite of your failures, in spite of what others have said about you, or even what you have said about yourself. He's chosen you in spite of what you've done or even will do. If we know the story of David, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. You think God didn't know that David would mess up years ahead? You think God didn't know that David was imperfect? You think God didn't know that you you were imperfect? No, he chose you, watch this, in spite of you. And he chose you, he chose you for a specific task. He could have chosen Eliab, but Eliab wasn't the one for this task. He could have chosen anybody to do what you do, but he couldn't because he designed and purposed you to do and anointed you to do what you do for the thing that he purposed in you to do. Did that confuse you? You have an anointing. You have an anointing. Hmm. Watch this. In other words, God is saying, if your heart is after him, he will never leave you nor forsake you. you. So, David, I know you're going to make some mistakes, but I still chose you. I got to get through somebody's thick skull because you have counted yourself out when God has already counted you in from birth. He knew every mistake he was going to make. But he says, you are still the one I need to perform this task. You're still the one I call to change lives. Why do you think people come to you with their problems? Because they see the anointing upon you. It's God that shows you. I got to move on. I can't hang there. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you'll find because of Saul's disobedience, the Bible recalls that that Saul is, is rejected. David is now anointed. And David is finally introduced to Saul when Saul goes through his torment. The Bible says, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit and filled him with depression and fear. And then one of Saul's servants said to him, let's find a good worshiper that can create an atmosphere of healing. 
And then the servants recommended David, and, and David was a good-looking brother and selling out shows on every mountainside. Most importantly, the Lord was with him. I can't get beyond this point because you can't, what you do means nothing if the Lord isn't with you. It means nothing. I'm going to get back to that later. Let's move on. And so Saul sends for David, and David, come, David becomes Saul's armor bearer. And then Saul loved David very much, the Bible says, for now. Somebody say for now. I think his love was temperamental. Uh, and the reality was, and this is my personal belief, my personal belief that he really didn't love David as much as he loved his gift. Can I warn you, watch out for people who only want you for what you can do for them. Be very, very careful when they say, oh, I love you so much, or I appreciate you so much, or you so this and you so that. Why is the question you might want to ask. Now, they could be sincere, but sometimes it's unfortunate, but they have ulterior motives. And we find as you read the story of David and Saul that Saul's love was just temperamental. It had an expiration date on it. Because in chapter 18, we find that he tries to kill David. But I'm going to stay within my text. So here it is. As we approach our text, 17, Saul and his army are challenged by a nine-foot-tall Philistine warrior by the name of Goliath. He stood between the two armies and proclaimed. And this is what he said, 1 Samuel chapter, eight, chapter 17, 8 through 11. Why have you come out to draw for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you, are, and, you are not servants of, and you are servants of Saul? Are you not servants of Saul? Sorry. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if he will prevail against him, then, I mean, uh, if, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all his army and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then for the next 40 days, you saw Goliath was standing between uh, in the morning and he would walk back and forth pacing, taunting the same words, who's going to come out and fight me? He did this for 40 days. Then David sent, uh, Davis was sent into the camp by his father to deliver some roasted grain and some bread, some mac and cheese, some collard greens, some neck bones, y'all hungry, uh, to his brothers. But when he gets there, he hears them begin to make a war cry. And then since he, and for whatever reason, he runs to the front of the battle, leaves the food uh, with the uh, person collecting the food, runs to the front of the battle and have a conversation with his brothers. While he's talking to his brothers, he hears Goliath stand up and do his normal rant. David is then asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed, that he's even allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And as David investigates who is this loud-mouthed Philistine, Word gets back to Saul, and he sends for David. Now, I'm going to do a lot of reading, but we're going to close in about 10 minutes. This is chapter 17, verse 32 to 37, New Living Translation. 
And I'm going to kind of read it in a way you can kind of feel the tension of the text. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion and bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it. I don't run from it. I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. And if the animal turns on me, watch what he says, y'all. This, is, this tripped me out. He says, if he turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. First of all, he's crazy. This is a lion. This is a bear. And he did this multiple times because there's an S on, on the end of lion and an S on the end of bears, which means he did this too many times for me. All right. So he did this over and over and he, he killed the lion and the bear the same way. He grabbed them by the thing that's supposed to devour him. Isn't it amazing that God will cause you to defeat something that should have killed you by the, by the exact same way it should have took you out? You take it out. <sighs> so so, so I'm, I was just tripped out by that. So he says, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Take it completely out. I have done this to both lion and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God and the Lord. Somebody say the Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So what David is saying here, and I need to pause. David is saying, I've never put my trust in my hands or my weapons. He says, I've always put my trust in God. And because I had God, who dare will come against me to think that they had the chance to win? Because I know that this is not my battle, but the battle is the Lord's. And as long as he is on my side, winning is not even an option. It's a definite. Mm, trying to help somebody. Saul finally consented. consented All right, go ahead, uh, he said, and may the Lord be with you. He already told you he was. All right. Uh, he goes and sends a boy to do a man's job, seemingly. He goes and sends a boy to do a man's job. I'm going to say that one more time because I need you to get the revelation. He goes and sends a boy, something that should not win, to do a job for someone who should be able to go and have a better chance. Don't despise small beginnings. And just the Bible says he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Because you're small and because you don't think you have enough or somebody else, here it is, don't think you have enough, they will look at you and say, there's no way you're going to win this battle. There's no way you're going to win it. I remember the basketball player Spud Webb. Spud Webb was what, 5'2", 5'4", 11'4". He was a, I ain't going to say midget because that's disrespectful, but he was a small guy. He was a small guy. And Spud Webb arguably was one of the best players to ever play the game. Conduct on anybody. Didn't care who came up against him. Matter of fact, Spud Webb enjoyed the fact that everybody looked at him and thought that he couldn't do much. But because of that reason, he was able to excel in, in, in the NBA. David is the same little ruddy boy. Where he is, he's looked upon as not to be too much of nothing because he's small. And then Saul gave David his own armor. A bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, did the two-step, 
and realize this ain't going to work for me. This is not going to work for me because this is not how I won all my other battles. This is, matter of fact, watch this. This This isn't even mine. This is too big for me. This doesn't fit what God gave me. Matter of fact, God didn't give this to me. So, so Saul, I appreciate the gesture, but you can have this back. I'm going to take my rocks, my bag, my staff, and my God, and we're going to go kill this, this, this uh, Philistine. What I came to tell you, all I came to tell you is one thing. One simple message. It took 20 minutes to do it, but one simple message. You don't need all you think you need. Because what you need, you already have. The moment you were born, God put every gift, every ability, every anointing. He put his seal on you. Everything you ever needed is right there inside of you when he's simply trying to tell you that I am enough. This is what David is, is seemingly telling Saul, I am enough. And I'm not enough because I'm educated. I'm not enough because I'm good. I'm not enough because I'm good looking. I'm not enough because I have a talent. I'm enough because God's seal is upon me. And the anointing is on me. And even if Goliath gets holding me because I have the anointing, his hand's going to slide right off because I'm anointed for this. You are anointed for this. You have enough. You are enough. You don't need to make up a story or try to go get something or, or hustle your way in. Listen, dead, Goliath wasn't the first giant he fought. Oh, I just shook the room. Do you think it's, what would you rather fight, a man or a lion? Pick one. Give me the man all day, okay? I have a better chance in my mind. David is saying, I've been here before, watch this, multiple times because I didn't just kill a lion. I killed lions and I killed bears. I have been practicing for this moment my entire life. So what do you think? You think I'm going to lose? And if you look at chapter 46, I'm sorry, verse 46, I want to show you what he says in verse 46. I'm going to read it to you. I don't know if they have it on the screens or not. But verse 46 says this, or here it is. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. <laughs> oh, David, is, he's a wild boy. He says, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Who I like this guy. Uh, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. Keep going. He says, and the whole world will know, watch this, that there's a God in Israel. Watch this. He didn't say the whole world will know that I did this. He said the whole world will know that God has done this thing. Why? Because David is willing to have a, he already has a heart after God, and he's willing to not take the glory but give him the glory. God can trust him because he says, because this is a God that I found that when I give him the anointing, when I give him victory after victory after victory after victory, he won't say it was him that did it. He will continue to give me the glory. And God just has a question for you today. If you win the battle or when you win the battle, will you give him the glory? Will you be able to say that I didn't do this, God did it? For every father in the house who has doubts about, am I enough? It's hard to raise these kids. I'm doing the best I can, but am I really being successful? 
I want to announce to you, even if you are a mentor, I caught Dale on the side of my eye, and I think he's a father in so many different ways. Even if you are a mentor, I need you to understand that you have what it takes because God's seal is on you and his spirit is inside of you and there is absolutely no way you can lose. And when you operate in your lane and your anointing, look at the doors that God will continue to open and the ways that he will continue to make over and over and over and over again because simply you are enough. I'm closing. You're enough. I'm enough. I don't need to fake it. I'm enough. Can I help somebody? If they can't accept you for who you are, the Bible says to kick the dust off your feet and keep it moving. I'm not trying to impress. You don't have to try to impress no one with the phony you. Be who you are. Continue to grow in God. To continue to be, to get better each and every day. I'm better today than yesterday. I'm trying every single day. And as long as I can end my day saying that, the Lord is pleased. The anointing on your life doesn't mean that you're going to live your life without flaw. It just means that he's given you something that can handle the times when you fall. He's given you grace. He's given you his presence and his power. The homework assignment that God gave me to give you all was simply this. Stop doubting yourself. Stop talking to yourself crazy. Thinking and saying that you're not enough. The Bible says we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Stop doing that. Because my anointing is different from your anointing. But when we come together, we can glorify God and complete the task, the big picture that God has created us to finish. You are enough. Not your gifts, not your intellect, not your ability. You are enough. You. You don't have to show off. They don't even have to know. But as long as he knows... There's no giant that you won't conquer. Amen? Amen. You guys can go ahead and stand and worship with us. Come on, was that a good message or what? Let's give, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Um, so we're actually going to go back in to see a victory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had another song planned for the end, but I don't think we were quite awake enough to realize the power of the words in this song. Um, I just love that it talks about how it's God's victory and there's a weapon that may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. And so whatever giant you're facing, whatever secret sin is going on and you just think there's too much I have too much things going on that God can't use me anymore. It's done. I just want you guys to listen to these words, to sing them out, to declare them over whatever you're walking through. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. 
when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Come on, sing that out. Yes, my God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle
Put your hands together. Hallelujah. I believe that's a prophetic declaration that you literally will see a victory. How many are you expecting victory in your future, in your very near future? Hallelujah. Listen, we'll be remiss if I didn't do this. I don't want to take it for granted that everyone in here has given their life to the Lord. But listen, if you have not given your life to Christ, this is a perfect opportunity to do so. So that you don't feel weird or anything like that, we're not going to ask you to come up. We won't even ask you to raise your hand. We're just going to ask all of us to just repeat the prayer of salvation after me. Amen. Father, eternal God, I thank you for your presence in here today. I believe in you, and I know that I'm a sinner. I know I have made mistakes, but because of your sacrifice on the cross. I believe that I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. If that's you, put your hands together. Come on, even if you're already saved. (laughs) Hallelujah. We pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share. Thank you for stopping by our station. And until next time, may the peace of God be with you.